To hear the full episode, become a patron at patreon.com slash deathpanelpod. Welcome to the Death Panel. Patrons, thank you so much for your support. We couldn't do any of this without you. If you'd like to help us out a little bit more, share the show with your friends, post about your favorite episodes, pick up a copy of Health Communism at your local bookstore or request it at your local library and follow us at deathpanel underscore. So today I am here with my co-hosts, Artie Vierkant. Hello. And Phil Rocco. Hi. And before we start, I just want to say, you know, I'm sorry in advance if I sound like a little off or like aloof today. Artie and I have been going through a lot in our personal lives with the Medicare Part D denial that I've been fighting and all of the other things that come with trying to coordinate care while we fight. So I'm sorry if I sound a little off or like my voice sounds small. Please don't mistake that for a lack of like deep and utter rage (laughs) because... Especially it doesn't have anything to do with the today. topic. Yeah, yeah because God. we could always we could always digitally alter your voice so there's more <laughs> like <laughs> Just turn the rage dial up. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like auto-tune, but you know, for powering through the the crushing reality of the state and, and dealing with life as a chronically ill person. But anyways, today we're gonna talk about we're gonna focus once again on the so-called Medicaid unwinding, which as we talked about the last time that we covered this on the show, which was in the episode called The Unwinding from late March, which came out two days before the April 1 official start of the Medicaid unwinding. Um, so in that episode, when we talked about what was coming and, and warned that this is perhaps the most dramatic system shock to U.S. healthcare in modern memory, um, it actually turns out that it's playing out quite quite kind of worse than even we had uh, anticipated and, you know, with seemingly little pushback notice or concern. And Phil, I think you said in that conversation that this is going to be looked back at as the moment that we undid what was the largest historic gain in health insurance coverage in, in U.S. history. And these kinds of critical blows to health finance have consequences for folks who fall through the cracks that can be very hard to see, which is a crucial way to think about what's going on here and one of the key ways that we're going to talk about the current state of the Medicaid unwinding today. So, you know, if Biden thought that his healthcare legacy was going to be the mid-2010s drama over the ACA, I think he was wrong because unless something shifts dramatically and quickly, this is already becoming a catastrophic and unprecedented concentration of people suddenly being kicked off their insurance coverage. And a process, you know, that is so common during business as usual pre-pandemic Medicaid that it has its own term known as Medicaid churn, which has numerous deaths. It's a lovely term, churn. Churn. You you love it, right? Yeah. Yeah. A term that really does, in the old phrase, allow the defense of the indefensible. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And as we'll talk about, you know, churn has enormous downstream consequences on health. Um. So to just sort of set us up, as of the latest reporting, which is a very limited picture because it is only data from 22 states, since the unwinding began, 1,295,000 people have already lost their coverage. Again, this is not the full number. This is only based on a limited amount of reporting. And in many states, it's very clear that a majority of those who have already lost coverage have lost it simply for procedural reasons, meaning that, you know, they did not complete or return required paperwork. Um, so it's, you know, the vast majority still financially qualify, but were bumped off for arbitrary reasons having to do with administrative burdens. Yeah, so, like not returning paperwork or, or whatever. Yeah. yeah. And so already, even without like a full picture of the data, right, like 
this overwhelming landslide of procedural denials makes it very clear that the so-called Medicaid unwinding is exactly the huge disaster that we've been warning about since 2021. And we don't really need more data to know that this is a problem. So, you know, what we're talking about today is like, why is this still happening? You know, that's at the core of what we're going to talk about. Why, even when we can see these kinds of denials procedurally, you know, weighted uh, towards administrative burdens being the reason people are losing the safety net coverage of last resort, do we continue moving forward with a kind of process like this in the U.S.? Yeah. Can you say the number again? I want to just do something here. What is the number that we know of people who have lost their coverage? 1,295,000 people. I want to put that in context. So we're, again, we're only looking at a limited sample. I think only 22 states. Yeah. Uh, less than half of the states are reporting uh, the number of people who have lost coverage uh, because not every state has, has started the unwinding yet. So, you know, it might be the case that in your state uh, this ha- this process hasn't begun. There's been no news about it in Wisconsin because we never report bad things before we know they're going to happen here. We only <laughs> report them when the, the after they've begun to happen and we pretend that we've done everything that we could uh, about it. Um, <laughs> that but sounds the, familiar. The, to put that in context, right, we're talking about, is it 1.2 something? Is that right? Uh, almost 1.3 well, million. 1.3, yeah. yeah. 1.3. Now, to just put that in context, we're talking about the span of a few months, right? And we're not even talking about the full number of states. To put that in context, over the first three years of the Trump administration, 2.3 million people um, lost uh, health insurance coverage. Now, again, that's <laughs> any three kind years. Or- uh, uh, that's of any kind, wow. right? Uh, and there's a variety of different reasons for that. Uh, but the we're just talking about one slice of the of the way that people get health insurance. We're just talking about Medicaid, and we're only talking about a few months, and we're only talking about less than half of the states. Okay, so to put to put that in context, I mean that is a huge, huge increase in the uninsured rate in a very short period of time. Uh, even relative to um, like what we saw uh, in past administrations. It's also something that in a way was sort of deliberately, you know, authorized by Congress, implemented by the executive branch and then carried out by uh, the states. It wasn't just sort of the kind of more chaotic, uh, sporadic efforts at like sabotage and things like that to make things (laughs) uh, harder to get. It's like we knew precisely but the government knew precisely what it was doing when it did this, uh, both at the federal level and at the state level. And as, as we're going to talk about, like, it's very easy to get the lines of causality for these decisions confused mm-hmm. uh, because, you know, obviously the the direct control over disenrollment and the particular way that it's being carried out varies at the state level. And some states are really doing a, their, their worst, uh, as it were. <laughs> uh, to, to make sure this process is as horrible as possible. But I think that that very, you know, and of course, whenever you have data on mul- more than one state, the impulse, I think, when we're analyzing it is to go to comparison and to say, wow, it's really bad here, but not quite as bad over in this right. other state. But in reality, I think that's, I would call that like the fallacy of decomposition. There's like a fallacy mm. of composition. There's, this is like the fallacy of decomposition, which is to say, yes, it is worse in some places than others, of course. But this is all happening under the aegis of a federal apparatus 
for determining what states can and can't do. And the reaction of Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services, which is the federal agency that oversees the program, has been like, you know, the equivalent of a stern talking to, you know, a strongly Mm -hmm. worded letter uh, on these states. And so I guess just like in the context of the conversation that we have today, I want to just like keep that in mind because I, I think a lot of the coverage of this story and one of the reasons why it doesn't necessarily crest to the top of people's attention is that because of the way that Medicaid is designed, it segments the population, it gives states a lot of autonomy to make these decisions, and of course, it means that things will be worse in one state rather than others. But that very thing is a kind of policy, it creates like a policy illusion, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Which is mm-hmm. that it allows you, it like the, the really cynical, but I think not inaccurately cynical version of this, is it allows a certain kind of blame avoidance on the part of federal agencies um, that administer programs when you have that kind of variation. It's, it's, it's a, you know, in a way it's a bad thing for policy and for the people who are on these programs, but it's a good thing uh, from the perspective of blame avoidance. Um, And so I just want to like keep that in context. Like when we're talking about specific state examples, all of that is happening under the ages of a federal agency, which has some authority to do things when states disenroll a lot of people without due process but might not be using the the levers that it has. Yeah. To hear the full episode, become a patron at patreon.com slash deathpanelpod. You'll get access to this and the rest of our catalog of patron-only episodes, and be the first to get a new patron episode every Monday when it drops. With love, the Death Panel.